This is episode 33. Welcome to PopCast. Hello, welcome to the PopCast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Welcome back, another week. Yes, you may have noticed something a little different in our intro today. That was a little special treat. Yeah, we had some help. Maureen's been wanting to record Caleb's voice for a while, because it's so cute right now. And so we had him record something about the popped cast we tried a couple different things but no he wanted to sing baba black sheep is what he really wanted to do which he did sort of he sort of stopped you know three lines in but he liked it he thought it was he thought it was a toy more than anything yeah else. he just wanted to like put his face on the microphone which does not make for great sound but we did get him to say welcome to the Popcast," which is adorable maybe we'll keep using that intro yeah Maureen, a little bit of follow-up. Another guild. No. Not the Lollipop Guild, though. No, we still don't know how honey. they voted. We still don't know how they voted on the Oscar season this year, but <laughs> the Directors Guild of America had their awards last weekend. And? Tell us. And the big winners of the night. Alfonso Cuaron wins for Best Director for Roma, and Bradley Cooper went 0 for 2. He went 0 for, again. I just feel so bad for Bradley. Now, this is one I thought he actually might win. I thought he had a chance to win an award here because there is an award that he was nominated for for Best First Time Feature. So this is his first feature film as a director. And he didn't even win that. He lost. He lost to Bo Burnham, who directed Eighth Grade. Now, Eighth Grade is a fine movie. Maureen and I both liked it. It's well done. But... A Star is Born is better than Eighth Grade. I, I don't know how they judge the directing things. Like, I don't know how they're judging Bo versus Bradley. They're totally different movies. But the achievement done in A Star is Born is just better than Eighth Grade. Yes, but are they judging the movie or are they judging the director? Like, well, both. But but I think the but directing... how do you judge the director? I'm sure they, they judge it on I performance would... and... And is it a 360 degree review process? Do people get to submit, you know, feedback on the director? No, I don't think so. Well, so then they're only judging it based on the product. Yes, of course. But you have to know what goes into something like A Star is Born versus what goes into something like Eighth Grade. I don't know. I'm not saying that either. I, I, we liked Eighth Grade, it was a good movie, but I read. I could have given Bradley something. They could have given him something. Yeah. I listened to a podcast about this, and the two people t- on the podcast talked about. Maybe people just don't like Bradley Cooper that much, which seems weird because, you know, most of the general public likes Bradley Cooper a lot. But maybe directors are just like, this is our game. You know, you're an actor. Stay in your lane. But there's plenty of actors that have crossed over. Yeah, but have they won awards? Have they been nominated for awards? Not not all of them. But he's not winning for Best Actor. I know. He's not winning for anything. Oh, I don't like that one bit. Well, we only have one more Guild Award left. It's the Lollipop Guild. No, it's not. It's the Writers Guild, which is coming up. Uh, in a couple weeks and we also have the BAFTA awards which is basically the British Oscars that's this weekend so we're we're barreling close to the Oscars which is a great segue very exciting which oh, is a yeah. great segue oh to one of our snack bag the topics. most ridiculous snack bag topic. I don't think it's as ridiculous as you you might think it is if this was a snack that you would eat at the movies it would be pop rocks 
Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Well, what Maureen is referring to is that earlier this week, not only did the Academy officially finally come out and say there will be no host at the Oscars. I mean, we kind of knew it at this point. It's two weeks away, two and a half weeks away. But The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, tweeted out from his own account that he was, in fact, the Academy's first choice to be the Oscar host this year, but he couldn't do it due to scheduling issues while filming Jumanji 2. This is the best part. All the follow-up comments as I was reading this article that Josh sent was like, wait, isn't Kevin Hart in that too? Wait, yes, so is, is Kevin Hart not in Jumanji now? Wait, so you were picked before Kevin Hart, but they didn't actually ask you? What? I would I would think There were that no a, responses from The Rock again, no, right? No, no. I would think that an Oscars hosted by The Rock would be good. Yeah, I would be into he's it. He's very charismatic. He's not at all what you would think of as a traditional host. You know, he's a big, huge guy. He used to be a professional wrestler, and he's he's nicely transitioned into acting and performance. I think he would have been really a really likable and very he's kind likeable. of goofy and he's a terrible singer. So all and the he, makings of a good host. And I heard that he was going to sing. He was what ready can to I sing. say except you're welcome. Yes, he provided the voice of Maui in the animated film Moana. And he was fine. He's not a good singer, but he was fine. Anyway, I think he would have been a great host. Maybe the stars will align in the future and he'll have the opportunity to host, but, you know, missed opportunity this year. Jumanji 2. Still a I'm shaking my tweet, fist. though. Like, why yeah, was Yeah, it Kevin... was weird. I'm not sure why he revealed this news now, but maybe next year, maybe the year after that. We'll see. No Oscars host this year, so we're just going to be flying blind into the ceremony. We'll see what they end up doing. Maureen, next snackbag topic. Jennifer Lawrence is engaged. Very happy for her, but there were no pictures of the diamond, so I was very disappointed. Ah, I found one? I found one. <gasps> But first, let me say, Jennifer Lawrence was dating someone. I didn't even know this. I am, I am clearly behind yeah, on my. Yeah, kind of like a off the grid. His name is Cook Maroney. What kind of a name is Cook? A rich person. A name. rich person's name. So I did see a picture of her engagement ring. It is a very, very, very small diamond. It is oh. almost you almost can't see it. And maybe this is just something she wears out in Take public. It back. I'm sorry, I made a snap judgment about his name. I mean, I'm sure he is rich. He seems rich. The name sounds rich. But the diamond itself was very tiny. Maybe it's a family diamond. It could have been, but it almost was so small that it almost seemed insulting Are to be a family sure? diamond. Are you sure? Because when they wrote about it in the article, they said it was a big diamond. Well, there is a picture, a non-blurry picture that I think Cosmopolitan or L or something like that published. And the, the ring was a very simple gold band and a very teeny tiny little diamond. If it was even a diamond. Now, she was wearing it on her engagement ring finger. Could have just been a placeholder while her actual diamond got resized. I don't know. We'll follow up on this next week. Maureen, I'm curious now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assign this to Maureen to follow yes, up because I, I, will. I do not care about the ring at all. But I did see a picture. So there you go. I, I guess I knew something about this story. Maureen, last snack bag topic here this week. One of your shows that you watch every week I know. is coming to an end after 11 seasons. So not this year in 2019, but in 2020. The ABC hit show, Modern Family, will be coming to an end. Maureen, are you ready to eulogize this show? I mean, I'm not like going to like weep over it. It's not like Dawson's Creek or anything. But I do love it, and I think it's really funny and lighthearted. And anytime it's like a weeknight and it's like you just kind of want to watch something before you go to bed after you've you know finished with dinner or the laundry and putting the baby to bed or whatever, Like this is always my go-to of like a lighthearted, funny, relevant 
show where just I just really like the family dynamics in it. And I think all the actors are incredibly talented. So I will miss it. I do think it's getting a little long in the tooth because a lot of the children characters have grown up and now they're starting to have, spoiler alert, babies. So I don't know. I think it's great that they've got one more season and I was reading that they like want to go out with a bang. So like they're going to you know, do some fireworks. fun things. Who knows? Fireworks um, and bombs and is that, that that kind of a bang? No, I think more like Haley's having twins, so that will be hilarious. You know, I used to watch the show. I used to watch it every week with Maureen. Maureen reminded me that maybe I even told her to watch it at some point. It premiered in 2009, but I gave up after, you know, season six or seven. I don't remember exactly what, but I think that I was thinking about this today when in preparation for recording the podcast, why it was that I gave up on the show. I do think that it's funny, and the character of Phil Dunphy, played by Ty Burrell, is one of my favorite characters on TV. Like, is Josh? You yeah, guys. he's very goofy. I just really like that character. But I was thinking about why I gave up on the show, and the only thing that I could think of was that sitcoms that piqued my interest for the entirety of their run had more through lines in the story than Modern Family does. So Modern Family is a show that you don't really have to have seen the week before to understand anything of what's happening the next week. And some sitcoms that I really like are ones that have arcs that last a season or multiple seasons. So you think about something are like... Are all of those arcs a will-they-won't-they they dating scenario? Yes, to to Because to Modern some Family extent. doesn't have that. Yes, to some extent. I was thinking about Which The Office. Which is kind of nice. But I was also thinking about something like Parks and Rec that had that had storylines that you cared about. Yeah. So relationships, not just romantic relationships, which it did have, but, but that only relationships went six seasons. Right, but but relationships between characters that you cared about that they evolved. And Modern Family, the relationships were set when the show started. So the only the only relationships that are new are ones with guest stars or with as Maureen mentioned, the kids have all grown up, and so they're yeah, having their own relationships. Yeah, and it's much more lighthearted. Like, they really don't, you know, like, there was never a period where anyone was getting divorced or anything like that. There's three married couples on the show. So, yeah, I could see that. So, for me, after, you know, they started to struggle, seemingly, for storylines that were interesting, I just was ready to give up on that. So, I don't know. I think it's, it will certainly go down in history as a very important show, and Another thing I was reading earlier today about Modern Family is it's probably the last big juggernaut of a network show that is going to have the impact that it did. There was something I found really interesting in the article. They said that it's gotten really expensive to produce and it costs them around $5 million an episode now. Whoa. Yeah, except not whoa. Friends, however many years ago, was a million dollars per person. Well, for the main actors, that was their last season. Yeah, but that's already six million before you pay anyone else. So that was a little surprising to me. I would have thought that Modern Family people were making more by now. Five million dollars for a sitcom is ridiculous. I mean, yes. That makes the Friends scenario even more ridiculous. Right, but that was their very last season and they all negotiated that rate for their last season. But if Modern Family currently costs five million dollars before they even get to their last yeah, season... To me, a sitcom should not cost that much to produce, but all of the main actors have negotiated hefty salary increases oh, since sure. they started. Yeah. And it doesn't even compare to the salaries of something like The Big Bang Theory. What are their salaries? Over a million. And but they're also ending as well. So, mm. you know, these these juggernaut TV shows on network television, they're coming to an end. I think that will about do it for the snack bag this week, but before we get into our marquee topic, let's take a quick moment to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you ever listen to an episode of the Popcast and think, man, 
I'd love to give podcasting a try. Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen, though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. Maureen, marquee topic this week. We are talking about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl commercials and we're going to talk about the halftime show. But the Super Bowl itself was very boring. It was one of the most boring Super Bowls I can ever remember. The final score was 13 to 3. The halftime score was 3 to nothing. That is ridiculous. That is so, that's just. That's and, some good defense. Well, you would think, except it wasn't. It was just bad offense. I think it was probably more bad offense than, than good defense anyway. But what we're here to talk about is the commercials because that was everybody's favorite part of the night after the game and was really bad we're a pop culture podcast and we're, so. yeah, we're not, <laughs> we're a not sports talking podcast. about the sports guys sorry we're not a sports podcast i will say that the super bowl was at an all-time low over the past couple of years in terms of viewership only 98 million people watched the super bowl so that's a, so many million that's so many millions but it is lower than it was you know even a couple of years ago it was over 100 maybe 115 million so you know 17 million people dropping off that's that's significant i think it had to do a lot with the, the fact that the patriots were in the super bowl for the third straight year mm. i don't know maybe anyway let's talk super bowl commercials maureen i want to kick this conversation off by saying that there were a bunch of commercials but personally for me they don't really do as much for me as they used to because most brands release their commercials online before the super bowl happens I tried this year not to watch any of the commercials ahead of time and just experience them while we were watching the game. We went to a friend's house, saw a couple commercials there, saw a couple when we came home after we put our son to bed for the night. But I want to ask you first, what do you think makes a good Super Bowl commercial? And I mean specifically for the Super Bowl, not just what makes a good commercial overall, because I think that also applies here, but what makes a good Super Bowl commercial? There's two categories in my mind. Let's stick with the award show theme, the comedies and the dramas. Okay. Okay. So on the one hand, you have something that is going to make you like really pull at your heartstrings and make you feel something. And I think that that is effective in the Super Bowl context because you're in this like sports scene it's game talk you're eating wings you're drinking beer you're pounding there's like, your chest there's you're, like it's very manly yes but it's like you know it's this it, you're not prepared to be feeling serious emotion so when in a 30 second commercial all of a sudden you're taken there i think that can pull you out of where you were grab your attention and that makes it an effective commercial in this scenario so almost like reverse psychology that commercial bit. wouldn't necessarily do as well in the middle of this is us because you're already in that emotional state. Yeah, or okay. you're prepared to be. Interesting. Um, the other one that I think is really important is what people are expecting, which is something that is so hilarious and not only funny, but it has to have the element of surprise where you can't quite pin down what's coming next or you're you're delighted by what you see. And it has to kind of like keep you on your toes in order to do that. It can't be predictable. And I think we saw a lot of those as well this year. So yeah, I, I think... 
there's two formulas that seem to work really well of the standout commercials. And the ones that didn't do as well or didn't resonate as much with me were kind of either just lackluster in general or somewhere in the middle, like trying to walk like, oh, we're funny, but we're not that funny. You have to either go one way or the other. I think the extremes played better. How important do you think it is that when you finish the commercial and you're talking about it with your friends the next day or a week later, or we're talking about it on this podcast, that you can remember the brand? Well, I think that it's obviously pretty important to the brand, but I think it's less important in today's day and age than it was before because now you can just Google it. Oh my gosh, I saw this amazing commercial and the whole thing was about like blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what brand it was for, but you can Google it and then you're watching it again and again and again. Okay, interesting. So I think that because, you know, digital media is so prevalent now and you can watch them all online, it doesn't matter as much. But in years past, it was like you got 30 seconds, you're spending millions of dollars, so people need to remember you. Interesting. That's a good point that if you don't remember the brand and you're talking about it, then you're going to send it to your friends. You're going to Google it and probably watch it again and you'll remember what the brand is at that point. That leads nicely into give me some of your favorites from this year. So I obviously liked the ones that were either I thought were extremely funny or there was a couple that made me actually cry when I was watching these. My favorite funny one hands down was Jason Bateman as the elevator like conductor and people were getting on and he was they were like listing all these different things they were going to and the people get on they're like well we're going car shopping he's like oh you're going down as in car shopping is a negative experience but basically they stop on a million hilarious floors and you before see, they even get to car shopping yeah like you see someone getting a root canal or oh you're here for like dmv i don't actually think that was one of them but it should have been you're here to have the talk and it's like a teenage boy who gets out and his dad is like let me tell you about the birds and the bees Hello, folks. What floor? Oh, we're car shopping. Ah, you're going down. Way down. This floor, root canal. Oh, this is bad. This stopped jury duty. Remember, innocent until proven. Well, he did it, right? We all agree he did it? Okay, six-hour flight, middle seat. <laughs> Who's got vitamin C? This floor, the tongue. Your body's changing. My body changed. Even grandma's body. Vegan dinner party, is that even a thing? We're having beetloaf, Sergio's specialty. Why, thank you. Yay! Car shopping, off you go. It delighted me because they were all real-life scenarios that I have experienced or could imagine experiencing or knew someone who had experienced, but it was very, like, comfortable and common and, like, things that were kind of always talked about. Jason Bateman's delivery as the special celebrity guest was really funny. He's got a very dry delivery, which I think really added a lot. And I was, I was like on the edge of my seat about like what, it, what floor will be next? Like what will be the horrible thing? Will it have been something that I experienced or, you know, whatever? Do you remember and what it was for? I do. The shtick was, oh, well, our car buying experience isn't terrible. It's amazing. And then they went to the top floor and it was, I think it was Hyundai. Hyundai? Hyundai? Hyundai. <laughs> it's just Hyundai. Hyundai. Hyundai? Hyundai. Yes, it was Hyundai. No, sorry. We're getting a Hyundai. Yeah, we used Shopper Assurance. It was really easy. Hyundai. Going up. Hyundai Shopper Assurance. Transparent pricing, streamlined purchase, a three-day worry-free exchange, and test drives that come to you. Not so fast, Captain Colin. Back it up. Thank you. It's car shopping made better. You're right. You're right. It was for Hyundai. So, you know, you remembered. I, I have to say that was my favorite commercial, comedic commercial of the night as well. I was telling Maureen this before we started recording, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think Jason Bateman 
is a really funny actor and he plays that straight character really, really well. And that's exactly what he was doing here. So if you've ever seen Arrested Development or really any of the movies he's been in, he does this character a lot. Okay, so did you have any other favorites? I would say honorable mention to the M&M's one with Christina Applegate, which again was another effective use of the celebrity. She was just a mom driving in a car, yelling at kids in the backseat until you realize they're the M&Ms. That one was funny, not as funny. And then my other ones that I really liked were sentimental ones. I'll share one because I know one of them is on your list too, Josh. But I really liked the one, it was a Verizon commercial and it was for, I don't really really know how it was Verizon. I guess they were saying like he had cell service and could call 911. That part, unclear. A little bit of a stretch. But it was a football coach and he had been thrown 20 feet out of his car in a car accident and he had been invited to talk to a bunch of first responders about why it was important to him and then as he's talking and being filmed they're like we are actually the first responders who were there that night like we're the police officers we're the firewoman and he just loses it or starts to cry and tries to cover it up anyway it was really emotional and made me tear up almost instantly hi my name is anthony lynn In 2005, I was in a horrible car accident. I was hit by a car going 50 miles an hour. And I promise you, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the first responders. They told me that I flew 45, 50 feet in the air. The doctor told me, he said, you're very, you're very lucky. It was a miracle. Hi, coach. My name is Jim Brittle. It's my partner, Craig Kelly. We're the first two first responders on scene. Coach, my name is Skyla Bosco. I was the paramedic on Medic Engine 1 that evening. I've often thought about you know, who showed up that night. I never thought I'd see you. I mean, that's, it's unbelievable. They said I had to have some angels with me that night to survive. I believe you guys are angels. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I think I really liked it because it was a very raw, I mean, I mean not like that raw, but it was a very emotional moment and he was caught off guard. It was a it genuine moment yeah. for him. Yeah. So my favorite sentimental one, because- Which is my other. Yeah, yeah. W- was uh, a commercial for Microsoft. And the basic premise of the commercial was that they have video game systems where people with disabilities can play them. And as a result, these people with disabilities, especially kids, feel like they're the exact same as everybody else and, and the exact same as able-bodied people. And they're physical disabilities. So they showed some some kids with, you know, like no hands or, you know, arms that were different lengths or varying physical, like spinal things. But these children all just wanted to play with their friends. And so this system Right. And so, that. yeah, so you know, Microsoft Xbox has tools that allow people with these disabilities to play with their friends and feel like everybody else. And they interviewed both the kids who were very charming and, you know, these are real people with real disabilities. And then they interviewed their parents. And that, as a parent, I think made Maureen and I both very emotional to see these parents love their children as we love our child, no matter what they have, and and feel like finally their child fits in with their friends and feels like they can participate. And it just, it was a really well done commercial. The standout moment to me, the kids were all adorable, but there was one moment with the dad and the mom and the dad, very similarly to the Verizon commercial, basically the dad kind of gets caught off guard and he chokes himself up and he says, you know, when he's playing, he's not different. And to me, it's that raw emotion of a real person that I think is really powerful. 
My name is Grover. Sean. My name is Ian. I'm Taylor. My name is Owen, and I am nine and a half years old. So Owen was born with a rare genetic disorder called Escobar Syndrome. He's had 33 surgeries to date. I love video games, my friends, my family, and again, video games. It's his way of interacting with his friends when he can't physically otherwise do it. What I like about the adaptive controller is now everyone can play. You can just say, all right, that's that button, that's that button, that's that button. Perfect. One of the biggest fears early on is, how will Owen be viewed by the other kids? <laughs> He's not different when he plays. No matter how your body is or how fast you are, you can play. It's a really good thing to have in this world. Before we jump fully into the ones that we didn't like, can I just take a moment here? I want to get your opinion on this. It was neither my favorite nor least favorite, but Bud Light had four commercials throughout the Super Bowl, and all of them were around this medieval theme that they've been doing for a long time. I, I guess I just don't really understand the medieval shtick they're doing. Like, why? It, it, to me, the commercials were neither amazing nor terrible, but it didn't make me want to go out and buy Bud Light. Their biggest commercial was about how they don't use corn syrup. And I thought that one was hilarious. Miller Light and Coors Light use corn syrup. It was fine, but it was like... They were just straight up calling out Miller Light and Coors Light. That's the part that I found hilarious. I don't really get it either. I don't know. I liked it better when they had the dog and the horse who were besties, that whole series I of I think that was for Budweiser. So Bud Light uh. is the more party kind of beer, and then Budweiser's the classier say, beer. I don't really think we're their target audience. Any, I guess not. Anymore. I just don't really understand the medieval theme. And the one that made the least amount of sense to me that apparently people liked a little bit was that there was this really weird crossover between Bud Light and Game of Thrones. There was no, I think people were sort of expecting there might be a commercial to promote the last season of Game of Thrones, which airs in April. But instead of showing any new footage, they had a very sticky Bud Light commercial that ended with a dragon burning everybody to the ground it it didn't it didn't make sense for either brand really bud light came off bad because you're just like you're burning them away and game of thrones felt like why are you having this random promotion of this light beer didn't make any sense to me i agree it was a weird crossover all that being said i have two that i didn't like and then my least favorite one actually segues into our next discussion point very well so i'll give you my first two that i didn't like the first one was an ad for bumble that had serena williams I think that the reason that I don't like this commercial is because the whole gist of Bumble as a dating service is that the woman has to reach out to the man first. And Serena Williams, who's obviously one of the greatest athletes of all time, is saying, if I hadn't taken a step first, if I hadn't put myself out there, I would never be where I am. It just felt like a weird use of her star power and her accomplishments to sort of hawk this dating website. For me, Serena Williams is so much more than this dating commercial was sort of making her out to be almost. And I just didn't like the the pairing. The other one that I didn't like was the Colgate commercial, which was starring Luke Wilson. He was a close talker. Oh, yeah. That one, I didn't hate it. It was just kind of blah. It was vanilla. I don't like the idea of close talking. It kind of creeps me out. So even if you've brushed your teeth recently or have a really minty taste in your mouth, it's just kind of gross. The whole idea was kind of gross to me. Okay, my, my actual least favorite, and this is surprising, and it segues into our next little topic that I want to discuss here is, so every year USA Today 
has sort of what they call their ad meter, which is they have consumers rank how they felt about the commercial, I guess, out of one out of 10. And then they rank all the commercials. And the number one commercial this year was a commercial for the NFL called the 100-Year Game. The reason that I find this list so strange is because my least favorite commercial was this NFL commercial. And I have to say that a lot of the reason is to do with the fact that the NFL has had a lot of bad press lately over the last couple of years about how dangerous the sport is, about how they're not taking care of the players once they retire from from the league. And this commercial gets a bunch of NFL superstars and heroes into one room and it makes it like a joke. And I just don't think that it's funny. You know, people are dying because they've gotten concussions in the NFL and they slap together this commercial with some people you might recognize and they want you to laugh. I just don't think it's funny. To me, this commercial just did... First of all, I don't understand why the NFL has a commercial during the Super Bowl. Everybody knows what league they're watching. It is the biggest sporting event in the world. They don't need their own commercial. But I just felt like this commercial... How many times have I said commercial? Like a million times in this little rant here. I just don't think it was effective. I don't think it was truthful. Clearly, they did it because they're trying to get better press around their brand. But it just is... The NFL as an organization is really shady to me. And this commercial didn't do anything to help that image. I think it's really interesting that you had such a strong reaction to it. My reaction was, you said it well, that there's a lot of medical complications that they're saying are coming out of concussions from, you know, football exposure. And the NFL really isn't acknowledging that in the way that they should. So that's first. I didn't even think about that when I watched this commercial. I just was like, I don't know who half these people are. I was I recognized a couple of them. I recognized the Mannings and Terry Bradshaw. That was about it. But for me, it was more like it was a long cut of it, the one I watched. And I was like, it's okay, two minutes long. And that's the one they played during two halftime. Two minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, why is this so long? I get it. The shtick. I, t- I kind of liked, maybe it worked on me. I kind of liked the like, oh, you know, camaraderie. And oh, this is a game that's been so good to them, which is, I'm, I think, the Kool-Aid that they exactly wanted me to be drinking. But for me, my problem with it was just that it was too long. I didn't really care. It didn't seem to mean anything. And then there was the little girl at the end. And I was like... Which didn't make much sense. Basically, there was a little girl and a football player said, I don't think he was intending to be condescending, but it was kind of like, hey, can I have that ball back? And she was like, come and get it or something. And I was like, are we saying we're moving to let women into the league? Like, is this like a women can be... Like, it was very unclear to me. And I just thought like sloppy in that way. It was weird. Despite it being number one on USA Today's ad meter, it was my least favorite commercial that I watched. I think that'll about do it for commercials. I don't want to spend too too much longer on this. I will say the Amazon commercial came in second on the ad meter. It had a lot of celebrities. Harrison Ford's segment of that one was funny. It, it was fine. It was two minutes as well. We have an Amazon Alexa and, you know, oh, she activated. She heard me say that. Oh, my gosh. Technology. The commercial was fine. And I just don't think it was the second best commercial of the night. But I, I didn't agree with the number one commercial either. Maureen, let's briefly talk halftime show before we wrap up our Super Bowl conversation. You mean Magic Mike Super Bowl halftime show 2019? The halftime show was Maroon 5 and then co-starred Travis Scott, who's a hip-hop artist, and then Big Boy, who is one half of OutKast, which is a very famous Atlanta rap group. What did you think of the, the halftime show? I was like more underwhelmed than I've ever been, ever. I think... 
everyone's very talented. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the two rappers, so I was less critical of them. I was kind of like, okay, you guys do your thing. But Adam Levine and Maroon 5, I mean, it's just Adam Levine show. Poor Maroon 5 just kind of stands there. They don't even get close-ups. I don't even think their faces were on TV. And Adam Levine is a very talented performer, but he was just kind of like vanilla toast. It was so dull. It was weird. Okay, the thing that I mainly want to talk about is his Magic Mike striptease moment. Which was also weird. I, like, I don't, as we were watching this, so basically he like comes to the front of the stage and he's like singing and he's got this like standing mic and then he starts taking off his shirt and then he had like an undershirt on and then he like took off his undershirt and he's just completely just topless wearing pants and he's very muscly and very tattooed and I just thought so many things. All I could think of was his inner monologue at that moment as he's singing, being like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know how this is going. I'm, I'm going to take off my shirt. I, I'm going to unbutton <laughs> things. I'm going to unbutton. The- okay, okay. I took off my shirt. People are cheering. Maybe I'm going to take off my other shirt. I, I'm going to take off my – like that it was just like a panic moment. I don't think that was probably true, but that's what I was picturing. I was talking to my mom today that we were going to record this podcast and we were talking about that. And she said that I should share that she watched it with a group of over 60-year-old women and – she said that they all loved it, that they were like hooting and hollering. And oh she was like, gosh. oh my gosh. She was like, it was the funniest thing. And none of them knew he had tattoos, like other than what you could see. So as he kept removing clothing, they were all like, oh my gosh. And like reading his tattoos out loud. So Adam Levine certainly number of tattoos. gave them a thrill. He is a great advertisement for why to never get tattoos. Well, some people really like that look. I mean, they're everywhere. His whole upper body is tattooed. I thought the performance overall was very bland. Maroon 5 is a very unoffensive band. You know, they played three big hits. They played Sugar. They played She Will Be Loved. And they played Moves Like Jagger. I thought that the Travis Scott thing was and the Big Boy thing was were weird. I thought they were both better than Maroon 5 was. I thought Big Boy especially did a nice job. But... It almost felt random as opposed to a part of the performance. Yeah, they weren't integrated in any way. It was like the rappers would come out and do their own sequence. Yeah, and then... Travis Scott's big thing is that he had this huge album last year called Astro World. He came down from like a comet or an asteroid from the sky. It didn't fit at all with what Maroon animated. 5 was doing. Yeah, SpongeBob made an appearance. That oh, was weird. Yeah. The whole thing was just very bland. I think that I would love to go back in time to a world where we hadn't seen it and never see it, but it was what it was. It was what it was. That shirt taking off moment of awkwardness was really hilarious for me. I I hope that they could get someone better next year, but there was so much controversy surrounding it this year that no one wanted to do it. And I don't know, maybe maybe they'll never have anybody really good again. I would like to go on the record saying I think Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime performance was the best of all time. She sang everything live. She was a true performer. I mean, she was amazing. If she could win an Oscar for that, I would give it to her. She was so good. The amount of stamina and vocal control she had to be able to do that, I mean, it just that's why it's hard for me. Like this, She just blew this out of the water. Like, no contest. I think that will wrap up our marquee topic this week. Should we move on to teasers? Yes. Maureen, what is your teaser this week? Well, I had two, you guys. So I have to decide, and I'm going to save just one for next one. week. Uh, I'm picking, it's a YouTube video, James Corden. So he had Lin-Manuel Miranda and Emily Blunt on in December as a Mary Poppins promo. And I just found this today, but they did 22 musicals in 12 minutes. And it is a hilarious, hilarious, hilarious compilation. Even if you don't like musical theater, you should watch it because it was really funny. 
If you do like musical theater, you should definitely watch it because you'll know all the words. My teaser this week is a song that I discovered last week. There's a performer we've talked about a little bit on the podcast before, I think. His name is Ben Platt. He was the lead in the Tony-winning musical Dear Evan Hansen, which Maureen and I saw the... He was also in Pitch Perfect. He's in Pitch Perfect. So you may know him from that. He's the nerdy magic guy. Benji, I think is his character name. Well, he released his first two singles from his upcoming album entitled Sing to Me Instead. After he had his big success in Dear Evan Hansen and won the Tony for that, he got a record deal. And I'm always a little skeptical when musical theater people get record deals to make pop music because I'm never sure whether they're writing their own stuff or how it's going to be. Is it going to be very musical theater-like? Well, his first song that I listened to is called Bad Habit, and I really, really like the song. You always said that I'd come back to you again Cause everybody needs a friend It's true Someone to quiet The voices in my head Make them sing to me instead It's you Hate to say that I love you Hate to say that I need you Hate to say that I want you But I do it's a really nicely done song it's not what i expected at all the lyrics are good the music is great the the piano in it sounds a little bit to me like the piano from the music score from eternal sentient of the spotless Spine, which is one of my favorite movies and i really like the score in that it's just the the tone of the piano anyway i highly recommend this song it's called bad habit and his album full album comes out later this year i think that'll do it for this week oh, that'll do it Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Wait, should I be calling it the big game? I know Super Bowl. No, what, who am I kidding? They're not going to come. They're not going to come attack our podcast. Are we not but, allowed to say Super Bowl? Well, you're not. You're not allowed to. Why? It's very copyrighted. NFL We're talking is, about their thing. We're not stealing it. Well, the idea is that you would use their name to further your product anyway we're just gonna call it super bowl our listenership isn't that high (laughs) super bowl if you're listening we're willing to talk to you about future sponsorships exactly